everyone, it's Jeff Anderson. And I am Buck Popsicle Green. Popsicle Green. Oh, okay, I get it. It's, it's blizzard time in New York, isn't it? That's right. And this is uh, Modern Combat and Survival's Friday Reload, where Buck and I go over the news of the week and what's been happening on the blog, and apparently I try to guess which character he is this week from his nickname. So uh, this one was an easy one this week, but uh, with the, what do they call it, the uh, the blizzard apocalypse, or what? Have, what is New York calling it anyway? Uh, Snowmageddon was a popular one. Uh, so again, uh, I'm, I'm talking to Jeff Snow 2015, <laughs> but uh, still again, probably the most common, which turned out to be like four inches in New York or something like that. Well, yeah, then it was particularly embarrassing because the mayor of New York, who is a bedwetting communist, should be kidnapped by space aliens and never seen again. Uh, he went on and did a, a news conference where he's like, this is the worst snow you've ever seen in your lives. Your family will be frozen. Yeti will be roaming the streets of New York, and, and civilization as we know it will end. So stay home. And, of course, uh, you know, I can't really – he's he's a jerk, and it's easy to hate him, but, you know, meteorologists, that's the only job in North America where you can be that consistently wrong and still keep your job. Yeah, still have a job. Yeah, and, and I don't think and I think we all acknowledge that it's hard to predict the weather. The problem is that when they go on and do the weather, they're not like, eh, it might do this, it might do that. We don't really know, and we're always wrong. So you know, take it with a grain of salt. They come on and they go, it's going to do this, this, and this. So civilization, as you know it, will end in a snowy apocalypse. And then, of course, nothing happens. Now I prefer that. Yeah, exactly. Well, so a lot happening this week on on the blog as well and um and definitely in the news and we're going to cover uh, we're going to cover this stuff real quick for you so the modern combat and survival friday reload is really just a way that we can give you kind of the highlights for the week so that all in one place and all in one listening you can you can get kind of the the tips you need to know based upon our blog post this week and we're going to go ahead and get started with the first blog post Hey, the, the first blog post that we have, uh, this was kind of a gun week for us. This was a home defense. I mean, this is a, there was a lot of firearm stuff this week. The first one I got here is entitled, Three Brutal Home Defense Troops You Must Know to Survive a Home Invasion. And this was based upon a news story that I saw from a woman in Chattanooga, Tennessee, who, who woke up and found two, two guys trying to break into her bedroom, which was locked. Now, the news story is kind of vague, so I don't know if, like, they were, they got into her house and she locked her bedroom. It was kind of the middle of the night sort of a scenario. I don't know if she, um, you know, if she if she grabbed her gun, locked her bedroom door, called 911, and then they were still trying to get into her bedroom, or whether she had her bedroom door locked and then all of a sudden they're trying to get in. So the story did not say what, what the situation was, but there were some really good things to pull out of this regardless. One was that... Um, you, need, you must understand that home invaders are not like other criminals. So, you know, they when they were when when she was saying "leave me alone" and they're trying to get into her bedroom, they're not getting in there because hey, we want your DVD player next to the uh, next to the entertainment center in your room. When they're trying to break into some woman's bedroom, it's pretty obvious that she's the actual target for it. So, you must understand the mindset of a home invader is not like that of the common criminal who just wants to grab a television set, uh, PlayStation 4, and head on out the door. They're there for the people that are in the house. So that's one thing. Two, home invasions aren't just a city thing. So a lot of people think that just urban crime is the reason for home invasions and things like that. 
This woman lived on the outskirts of the city in a in a more rural area without neighbors around, which is the ideal situation for a home invader because those people typically don't have alarm systems or don't arm them as much because they don't feel as much like they're threatened as much as they do inside of an urban area where it's just more on your mind. And the other thing is that if there's no neighbors around, there's no one there to catch, you know, be kind of like neighborhood watch programs. So they don't really necessarily see the threat coming in, and therefore you might not have any anybody coming to rescue you. And which brings us to the third thing that we brought up, which is when seconds count, the cops are just minutes away. And, of course, you want to call 911. But ultimately, this woman and her and her handgun were what saved her because the cops weren't able to get there in time. They eventually did pick up these people, these guys, but it was only because she had shot at them, scared them off, and then they were picked up afterwards. A lot can happen in just a couple of minutes when they break through a door and you don't have a means of defending yourself. So we tell everybody that, look, and then and everybody out there knows it, but, you know, obviously having a firearm is part of it, but knowing what to do with that firearm is even more critical because you can even get by without a firearm if you do the right things. Or you could even be stripped of your gun and not have your firearm to be able to, to get to that. So one of the things that she did really well here, which um, is, a, is a tip that somebody else gave me a long time ago, which is in your house, even though you're with, even though if you have an alarm or whatever, keep your bedroom door locked, not just closed, but locked. Because that still offers a barrier of entry. If somebody were able to get into your, into your home and bypass an alarm or something like that, if it's a home invader and they try to get to your bedroom, then them jiggling on the handle might be enough for you to wake up and realize that somebody is in your house and you can take action from there. Okay, so, um, so anyway, lots of good tips, uh, from that news story there. Uh, Buck, what do we have next, man? One of my favorite posts this week, uh, is the podcast, NCS Podcast 25. Armed Vehicle Combatants with Craig Douglas. I actually have taken classes with Craig more than once, and uh, he's a very engaging instructor and really knows his stuff. Um, this particular podcast involves defending yourself in and around vehicles, uh, threats that you face uh, when you're uh, dealing with your car, parking your car, that sort of thing. Key factors preventing you from getting attacked when you're with your vehicle or when you've got your family, especially with your vehicle. Uh, the number one mistake most people make uh, when using their car is cover, uh, because most people base what they see in movies as far as you. Um, how to protect your spouse and your children in the middle of a shootout, conceivably, in and around your vehicle. Um, and training tactics for fighting in the, in the vehicle, training drills you can do. It was a really great podcast. Um, having taken those classes with Craig, I can tell you that they were exceptionally difficult. Uh, they were very strenuous, and Craig is not gentle. He, uh, he believes firmly that you've got to know how to defend yourself and the levels of force you need to use to do that. And his idea of hitting you lightly is uh, not my idea of being hit lightly. <laughs> so he's he's a really good instructor. Um, on another note, the picture that was used for the, uh, the post in MDS, tell me that guy with the Judge Revolver doesn't look like he walked straight off the set of a Viagra commercial. He just has that, hello, I'm a silver-haired, silver-haired older man who is still virile in his old age. I can throw the football through the tire swing. 
He reminded me more of like a Steve McQueen uh, type of uh, <laughs> movie or something like that. He definitely has that steely-eyed stare. If you look closely, he's wearing a pinstripe suit and like a purple shirt. This guy's a pimp. <laughs> Figuratively, not, not literally. Well, special thanks to Jeff Rose for that photo. Jeff's a, uh, a great photographer for, like, Tactical Life magazines and stuff like that who let me use that photo. And um, really great photographer. I love the stuff that he does. And uh, there was yeah. a great conversation on the around the podcast. Dave Richardson gave some really great information in there about how he carries within the vehicle, which was which is something that I've wrestled with for a while, um, trying to find the best way. And, we, and, and I think other people have as well. And, and Dave has, um, you know, basically keeps it underneath his leg. And, um, so it's all, and pointed out outside the door. So it's always available there. And there's, you know, there's a lot of discussion that we could have around this, but, um, um, I've definitely, it's, it's a challenge for me to do it that way, but I'm always looking for what's the best way to carry concealed in the vehicle because having it at my, you know, 330 position on my hip, is not going to work if somebody's trying to get in through the car. I can't lean toward that person reaching in through my window to get to my weapon. So um, anyway, there's some really good conversation there, so I recommend everybody go over there and share your own experience about how do you carry in the car and what's the best way for you to do it. So go ahead and uh, join in that conversation. The next uh, blog post that we have was, uh, this was another news story that I found, and it was entitled Survival Skills for Children. See how this seven-year-old girl survived a plane crash. This is kind of a this is a really tragic story. Uh, father was was flying a you know a small small plane, and with a wife and a seven seven-year-old daughter, I believe one other daughter and a and a cousin that was like nine years old, and the plane crashed. Everybody died except for the seven-year-old girl, who. Um, was able had who had multiple broken bones, but managed to get out of the wreckage, um, get over the mental horror of, of her her family being dead, and grabbed a stick and lit it from the the flame from the the burning wreckage of the plane, and found her way. Um, I think I think she found her way to a stream. The, the details are a little bit sketchy, but I think she found her way to a stream. Followed the stream. And then was able to find a, a house that had a light on and go and knock on the door and get herself to safety. And her father had taught her survival skills. So there was something even in her mindset of, you know, being able to use her resources and not to just sit there like a lot of, remind you, she's seven years old. The girl's in second grade. So most children would just sit there probably and cry and then stumble around in the wilderness and potentially just end up, you know, dying due to exposure. This girl was able to get a stick, light it from the fire to guide her way and get herself to a, get herself to safety. And so I, uh, I have my, the video in here of my son doing an interview with Les Stroud to give some additional tips here because, uh, Les, aka Survivor Man is my son's hero. My son's really into survival. No surprise there, but, um, so we have three survival skills for children if they're lost in the woods, because that's what my son had asked last. You know, like, hey, if I'm lost in the woods, what would be the three items that I would want to have with me to survive? And Les basically said, you need a way to start a fire, you need some sort of shelter, 
and you need a means of being rescued. And some more, you can watch the video of Les and my son, his interview on the uh, on the blog there, and you can kind of get the rundown there of all the tips. So, I I love the memes for for Les Stroud. I think it's him and not the other guy. Uh, something like, oh my 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 flight is late. Better drink my own piss. <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> you know, that's like a go-to move. <laughs> uh, um, the other post that I really liked this week was tactical handgun training fantasy camps versus real-world armed attacks. And one of the reasons I like it is because I enjoy any subject that enrages you. So basically anything that annoys you is entertaining to me. Uh, and, you know, you, you mentioned in the post about basically we're talking about these types of camps where they, they have everybody's all kitted up with camouflage and chest rigs and wearing their guns in ways they would never wear them in real life, you know, out in the open and, and uh, all you know, drop thigh holsters. It's impossible to wear a gun in a drop leg holster and not feel like a tool if you're <laughs> honest with yourself. But, uh, you know, they, they they go out and they, they shoot terrorist targets like they're all, you know, operators operating. And it's fun. And, uh, then, you know, it's not useless training, but it's really not realistic. And in the post, you point out that when selecting and evaluating a class, you check out the background of the instructors, make sure that they're legitimate instructors and not these guys who are, you know, the, if they come right out and say, I've been training special operators for an undetermined number of years in undefined locations, you know, you want to want to watch out for that. You want courses that explain, um, that teach you close quarters techniques, hand-to-hand training, things like that for the realistic close quarters ranges of most self-defense shooting type scenarios. That's exactly what that Craig Douglas class was like. Um, make sure that you're being offered force-on-force training, um, you know, with, with the appropriate tools. Some some places we use Airsoft. More advanced trainers who have access to the equipment will use things like SIM guns, even though the SIM munitions people are a little touchy about that and prefer it to use law enforcement. Stuff like that. These are all useful ways for determining if the class you're taking realistically addresses your concealed carry self-defense scenarios, or if it's fantasy land where you're preparing to be a high-speed, low-drag operator who's going to defeat the forces of evil. Um, and there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with taking those classes. I'm not saying you shouldn't or that they're not fun. I mean, I, I love taking classes like that. I have in the past. There's some really embarrassing pictures of me where I was trying out different tactical costumes, and I had, you know, all kinds of load-bearing vests and this, that, and the other thing. And, uh, you know, if you look at the instructor from the class, it's very telling because what's he wearing? A hooded sweatshirt. You know, I've got, like, every conceivable ballistic thing on me ever, and he's wearing a hooded sweatshirt, and he's not. <laughs> so, so, yeah, it, it's worth checking those things out to make sure, because these classes are not cheap. You know, you're spending several hundred dollars on a good class uh, for a weekend, maybe more. And if you're going to one of those places where they pay for you, you go on board and you're going there for a few days, it can be a couple thousand dollars. So you want to make sure that the training you're getting is realistic and that the instructor is approaching it not from a fantasy spec ops warrior type perspective. Yeah, I mean this goes this is the same kind of thing that bothers me like when I go to like self reliance expo and stuff like that and I see all the the obvious shoot me first prepper shirts that everybody's wearing and, and um <laughs> you know, as I'm doing this broadcast, of course I'm wearing my LaRue tactical um you know combat cap. <laughs> but well, I, I think it's okay to indulge. It's all right to say, today I'm going to dress in my, my Glock t-shirt. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. It depends on what you're doing for the day, you know? Like, if you're spending the day at the mall, that's not the place to wear, you know, 5'11 everything. But right. but if you're just 
home or doing something with your buddies or you're going shooting with friends, it's okay. Yeah, absolutely. But definitely there are, there are, you know, a lot of these courses really tend to go, I mean, I've even seen zombie courses, you know, like how to survive the zombie threat. And, um, and I, and I get the marketing behind it and stuff like that. And, and, and there is some trans, some transference of skills, but, you know, the point of this, of this, uh, article especially is that it creates training scars. So if you're going in like a, a four man team clearing a home, that's not going to help you with, it's just, when it's just you and a handgun and not your tactical 12 gauge shotgun with three other men behind you with their, with their hand on your back, you know, going ahead and clearing your fatal funnels. Um, these are training scars that if you, if you don't, if you don't balance the, out the fun with the practical, the practical is what you want to give, you know, 80% of your training towards. So, so shame on you if you're taking a bunch of fantasy classes and not balancing it out with four times as much practical training that's out there. The, the best course that I've been to, uh, there's a lot of great ones out there, but I just want to give a shout out to my buddy, uh, Peyton Quinn. And you can go check out his courses at StressShooting.com. He actually retired these courses about a, a year and a half or so ago, and he's um, he couldn't stand not shooting guns with uh, with students, so he has reopened the classes for a limited time. And I highly recommend that you go check out um, check out his courses because they 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 incorporate all the things that we talk about in this. And he has the experience of actually being in real gunfights at close range. To um, to really relay that to students, it's an amazing, amazing course. So check that out. Yeah, Peyton, he innovated adrenal stress training. Yeah. Uh, for you know, when people think of reality-based self-defense, he was one of the the foundational contributors to that field. And I think uh, as the, the days of the Paladin mail order catalog fade into distant memories, I worry that people will lose sight of names like that. Yeah. I I don't know. I hope not. Peyton is one of, is one of my best friends in the whole world. I love Peyton. He's an amazing character, and um, yeah. So de- and and definitely well worth the course. Definitely go out there and check it out. So uh, anyway, okay. So um, that's all we've got for this week for the blog post and everything. And uh, we will be up again next week to give you a more rundown and check out the news that's in the uh, that's out there. So uh, until the next. Broadcast, this is Jeff Anderson. And this is Buck Green. Saying train hard. Stay safe. Prepare now. Thanks, everyone. This has been Modern Combat and Survival. Survival. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes and leaving a comment. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Modern Combat and Survival. And don't forget to claim your free subscription to Modern Combat and Survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com. Lock and load. And we'll see you next time. This has been Modern Combat and Survival.